In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. And welcome to the first installment of 2018's podcast, The Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. I am your host, Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. G-Town Radio, 8 to 10 p.m. on Wednesdays. And I'm joined as always. Yo, what's up? Holler at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And tonight, we are going to crack the seal on 2018 with a cult favorite from 1992, Leslie Harris' Just Another Girl on the IRT. But before we do that, we're going to start the year off right. That's right. By looking back at some of the um, notices and emails and tweets and stuff that and we this got. Is, and this is, and that's, yeah, exactly. all right. From some of our Michelle missionaries All out there. right. Including frequent email missionary, Aaron Fry. Hey, Aaron. Happy New Year to Aaron Fry. Well, speaking of Happy New Year, this year, did you know, Vince, is the 30th anniversary of the Clint Eastwood film Bird, which I, Aaron Fry, recently watched again, Forrest Whitaker at his best. Oh, okay. This film didn't sugarcoat any of the flaws of the main character, which brings me to my question. Vince. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> Should they take another swing at Lady Sings the Blues? Nothing against the Motown version. Right, right, right. But right. that was a fairy tale compared to the book about her life. <laughs> Maybe do a different person like Ella Fitzgerald or the underappreciated sister Rosetta Tharp, the godmother of rock yes, and roll. Yes, sir. YouTube her. And find out, ladies and gentlemen. I absolutely think they should, but what you, you actually swerved. What I thought you were going to say is, should they do another Charlie Parker film? Because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of controversy about the the period that Clint Eastwood looked at, and the whether of, of the Charlie period Parker's of Charlie life. Parker's life, and whether or not it was really representative of the artist. But but you know, I think Billie Holiday. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think there should absolutely be another swing at her biography. Of course, you know, I feel that about most of these people. Like, I don't know how many definitive biographies there have been on film where you can say, okay, now we're finished. Like, that was good enough. Like, that was good enough. Right. So, you know. Yeah, um, I'm hard-pressed to think of of any. Um, Lady Sings the Blues, admittedly, has been a minute since I've watched it. Right. And, but if I remember, I think in tone, at least visually, it matches what you would think of the life that Billie Holiday led because she did not lead uh, an easy life. No. By any stretch of imagination. But I would have to watch it again to see whether or not 
the script actually does her life justice. Right. You know, you know, I think the thing about Lady Sings the Blues, and like you, I haven't, you know, I don't think I've watched in probably five or six years. It really comes off more as a romance between Diana Ross's character and Billy D. Williams' character, right. which I think is not so much indicative of her biography. Exactly. But, you know, if you're me, I just love the chemistry between those two so much that oftentimes I watch Lady Sings the Blues and forget that it's supposed to be bi- right. That it's supposed to be biographical. Right. So Right. I could definitely see them taking another I think it's um enough time has passed. Right. Uh that and her the story of Billie Holiday is worthy enough of being revisited. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, they're always going back to, uh, I mean, let's put it out there and and kind of like fits in with this movie. They're always revisiting Martin Luther King. Yes. Malcolm X. Right. God knows how many different uh, times at bat JFK gets. Right. You know what I mean? Um, it's very few it, between women that get, you know, multiple interpretations. There was that one year where actually, I think two competing films or it was a film in a um, miniseries, I think, both looked at the the life of the first Queen Elizabeth. I okay, think. okay. And, and it was like remarkable that, you know, you had that book both going on at the same time and right, both of them right. being very good. Right. You know, I remember Kate Blanchett, I think, was starred in one of them. Um but that is that is wholly, you know, the exception to the norm. Right. Usually, you know, the the women get one time at bat, you get your Tina Turner, what's love got to do with it. Right. And like really has there been another, you know biography of any woman or, or let's say, let's put it that way, black women that's been, you know, of note right. since then, really. Right, right. You know, that, that wasn't a Lifetime movie. Right, I was about to say, or an HBO movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or, or, or HBO movie, you're thinking about um, the... Uh, Bessie, was it Bessie Smith, that Bessie, Queen Latifah? Queen Latifah, yeah, Queen which Latifah. was actually very it good. It was very good. Actually, it was very, very good. good. And actually, the other movie that I was thinking of, uh, Lynn Whitfield's movie. Oh, um... About Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker. Also very good. And that was a TV movie, too. Also an HBO film. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, Lady uh, Billie Holiday is definitely worth... I don't think it necessarily has to be a remake of Lady Sings the Blues, just another biography. It's another bio of Billie Holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The last, I think, biography of Note besides Bessie, because, you know... the Lynn Whitfield movie was a few years ago, was the Nina Simone movie, and that was a documentary. Right, and <laughs> and then there's a Nina Simone film with Zoe Saldana that we've all collectively decided never to never it. speak of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's somewhere right. off in the ether with the prequels. <laughs> right, exactly. Um. So, yeah, I think they should take it. Yeah, absolutely. That. Absolutely. And Charlie Parker. Sure, take another swing at Charlie Why Parker not? if you want. You know, I don't know. I mean, Charlie Parker is definitely, you know, one of those jazz legends that doesn't get, you know, spoken of as highly as he should. Sure. 
Um, so I think he's worthy to be praised for that for that note. And there's a Miles Davis film that just came out. Yeah, I heard last year, but I didn't see it. I so. heard it wasn't that good. Okay, I heard that was not that good. Um, it wouldn't be, you know. So Charlie's worth worth the the out there. He certainly seemed like he was a, a very over the top character. I mean, so you there's know. a lot of stuff to mine there, but so is Miles Davis, being right? There's right. a lot of stuff to be mine. Oh yeah, Davis. oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but Chadwick Boseman can only star in but so. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why the Miles Davis one didn't work. Right, Chad was doing Chad was, Black, he was, he Black was Panther, doing Black Panther, he was Black Panther, and Marshall. Right, right. And, you know, on his weekends. So he's. Like, I guess now that it's officially 2018, we should probably throttle back on the Chaz Wick Bozeman jokes. Really? Because he's about to be in charge of black people. <laughs> <laughs> he is very true. Um. Toya Haynes wrote us on the Facebook group where a lot of people are having fun, including Vince. Real quick before I get to Toya's post, uh, Vince, a very nice picture that you put of your family. Yes. Up there. Yes, yes. That was that was an outtake from our holiday card. It would be our Christmas card, but we never get it out early enough <laughs> for Christmas, so it becomes our holiday yeah, card. So when did the card actually go out? And, uh, like maybe two or three days before Christmas. <laughs> It's a holiday card. It's a holiday card. It's a holiday season. It, there you go. There you go. Tis the season. Yes. Um, so it was a very nice picture that you did of your family. Toya Haynes wrote us, said she was listening to the uh, our review of Friday. Okay. And she heard what one of us said about House Party. I'm not <laughs> going to have too many more of these kid and play disses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly who she's referring to. I mean, it was one of us. I'm not going to say who it was, but if someone pointed at you, I'd whistle. Sabria, uh, uh, Sabria <laughs> chimed in that she loves House Party as well, but she's not proud of this fact. Oh, be proud of it, Sabria. Ain't nothing wrong with House Party. Nothing wrong with House Party. Now, once you, <laughs> once, <laughs> once you get to two and three, yeah. then maybe be a little quieter. Yeah, just be a little like, yeah. Um. Then we, uh, what else did we hear? Uh, Robert Monroe wrote us about. What's up, Robert? About Merry Christmas, fellow missionaries. This year for Christmas, I got myself the 1957 RCA Italia 45 RPM copy of Eartha Kitt's Santa Baby. If Eartha sang to me like this, I'd only come once a year, too. Twice a year would kill me. Oof. Oof. Santa Baby is a lot. That is a lot, man. It is, it's, it's good stuff, though. Um, I'm convinced that she had to stop being Catwoman because it, it was they were having a hard time getting past the censors. <laughs> it was just too much. It's too much. Yeah. No diss to Julie Newmar, who I love, but Eartha Kitt was too much. She was. She was. Rashid Grafar. Hey. He says, so now what? And he put up this meme. About the end of black radio. Yeah. Either yeah, by accusations yeah. or cutbacks. Yeah. All the black news anchors lost their job in 2018. And this picture has, uh, uh, the meme has Tavis Smiley, mm-hmm. who lost his job due to accusations. Right, right. Roland Martin. Roland Martin, they canceled his show off on TV, TV One. He was the only black uh, news show. Okay. Yeah, TV One had the only black, and they canceled it. And then, uh, Tavis, not Tavis Smiley. 
um, Tom Joyner. Tom Joyner is is retiring, but for for those of us here in Philadelphia, they took him off. They took him off the air. Took him off the air. And soon to be replaced by D.L. Hughley. Yeah, yeah. Radio show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. I think we all kind of talk about it, and and you know, appropriately enough, if you are listening to this, you are listening to a podcast of us talking about this, a black podcast. I think all three of them are perfect examples of how going forward we need to control our means of communication. You know, TV One had the power to cancel um, Roland Martin. Uh, TV, you know, Radio One had the power to, you know, take Tom Joyner off and whether or not they have pressured him into retiring or not, I'll leave that to the peanut gallery. But the bottom line is Radio Run Radio One is in charge of him and, and I believe Tavis Smiley owns his show, but PBS is in charge yeah. of distributing it. Yeah. And I think going forward and it, it you look, you gotta control your own stuff. You got to control your own stuff so that nobody has the outside power to shut you down. Very, very true. Um, And I think, you know, podcasting allows you that ability to do that. And let's face it, in 2017, 2018, you can do that through, you know, if you're resourceful enough. Right. You know, through YouTube and yeah. things of that nature. You can build up your own little network, your own little empire. Yeah. So and it even certainly if can YouTube shuts you down or this, that, and the other, you know, you can move around them. Yeah. But don't you think that um, – don't you think that these th- – just take these three instances. Yes. Tavis Smiley lost his show because of – Apparently, accusations. Well, of you know some sexual misconduct. Well, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds, but apparently neither side disagrees about the facts. He was dating subordinates. Yeah. Now, what the dispute is is whether or not that's ethical. And it's not. Well, I don't think it's ethical either. But you know, Tavis Smiley apparently believes so. Believes so. But again, PBS believes otherwise. Right. So. So. I mean, so, I mean, all right, so depending on which side of the coin you fall, right? you know, um, some might say that might be a little bit justifiable. Yes. You know, he lit the fire to his own demise. Right, right, right. Roland Martin? I think the story was they said it was too expensive, but they had just expanded it expanded it to like either an hour or two hours from what it was Mm -hmm. so even that seems a little disingenuous but you know yeah um i'm i've never been a big fan of roland martin's oh me either but you know you know the brother's doing but he's doing his thing and he's doing you know he's doing the work but maybe they wanted maybe that, that was just code for them wanting to go another way maybe you know maybe tv one has famously um their audience is primarily female. I don't yes. see Roland Martin really appealing to a huge fi- female demographic. Okay. Um, so I could imagine him maybe trying to go another way. Okay. You know, and because I think he had the show for like a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you gave it a run. Right. And uh, next. Okay. Tom Joyner. 
He has been around for a minute. He's been around for decades. For a long time. Yes. And his demo- And his 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 while his stick has never I've never dug it. Right. Um it was an old stick when it was young. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. So now it's an older shtick. Yes, it's an old shtick. So But if they have the audience and the audience enjoys them and they're being pulled for reasons outside of that which you know that's a big if you know as we said we don't know the because that specifics. is a big if because right. the thing is, is especially here in Philadelphia the station that Tom Joyner you know first came to Philly on was WDAS which was an older classic R&B right, right. B station and right. it fit perfectly with his old school appeal right right they once unfortunately that independent station got bought up right by um clear channel right um chose to go another way right skew their demographic much younger than tom joiners yes so tom joiner moved to another station here in philly which has since all around him on the dot on their dial have skewed to a younger demographic. A little younger, yeah. So it it was only just a matter of time. Unfortunately, here in Philly, there are no longer any stations that really cater to his audience that can afford his show. Right. Because there are some, but they can't afford his show. They can't afford Tom Jones. This show, rightfully so, is expensive. Yes. Because of what it does bring to the table. But you can't, and there there are stations that would want him. Right, but can't afford him. They can't afford it. Right. It's economics. Just economics. Yeah. Well, yes, I don't think it's either or. I honestly do believe you need to control your own stuff as much you as do you and i think in the future that he will now i think in the future he will i think in the future tavis smiley will i think uh, uh, i mean roland martin will and tavis smiley will i think for tom joiner i think he may be a little bit uh, too old too old well that was my next question like is this the fault of clear channel and a, a radio slash tv one or is it our fault as a consumer because what i was going to say is i think one of the issues that their audience has mm-hmm. is that they're not technologically savvy enough mm-hmm. to get this outside of these traditional venues. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, some of that is our fault. Like if you love these people, if you think that they that they provide this valuable resource and this valuable service, then I think we have to stop pretending it's 1983. Exactly. And you know, well let me let me just turn the radio on. Well, we have to do that, but also the people who we're listening to, they have to also sometimes lead us there. Right. Thinking about True. like when I think about Tom Joyner, I think of in his heyday was very much also the heyday of Howard Stern. Now totally different uh demographics. Sure, but I think that's a fair critique. Because when because Howard Stern very much at the height of his powers. Right. Saw the tea leaves. What was happening with radio, with terrestrial radio, and went to satellite radio. So you're saying that maybe Tavis, or, or in this case Tom Joyner, to keep it one-to-one, 
should have moved to satellite radio and maybe people would have followed him there. If, You're saying it was maybe his job to lead people. I think it was his job other, to lead to, to, to the, other, other mediums. Of if, these if other not mediums. satellite, because at that time, sure. while it was still it was still just a neophyte. Podcasting was bubbling up at that time as well. To 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 find to to find the other mediums to look into the future. Right. And if not for his audience, just for himself. I think that's fair. I, I I think that's a fair critique. I think, I think kind of what we. I think again. I'm I'm back to why can't it be both? Well, no, th- it should you, be. You know, both, I think it should but... be both. And I think at this point, kind of like you said, at least two, and quite honestly, I think all three of them might be dead in the water. Mm. And you know, yeah. for the next wave. You think they all have, three of them? You don't think Tavis Smiley can? I don't. I guess I don't, probably not with the way he's fighting against. Yeah, well, you you know, again, I, I think I, I think. Well, first of all, we're talking about television and radio, right? So, so I don't know how much Tavis Smiley or um, Roland Roland Martin's audience will follow them to a YouTube, to a Vivo, to a you you know all of all of the various sort of um, visual outlets. Yeah. That people have much like I I don't think Tom Joyner's audience will follow him to a podcast to streaming to satellite radio. But for those of us who are looking for something else and and there, you know, there there are lots of us that do. Mm -hmm. We have to understand those of us on this side of the mic like you and I. And I think, you know, I don't think we're letting out any state secrets knowing that, you know, part of me and Lynn's grand plans of world domination have never included Clear Channel no. or or Radio One. Nope. Because, you you know, the writing of that has been on the wall for, frankly, 15 years. Yeah. About both of them. And then you look up, it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I think it's up to the audience at this point. Like, no matter who you get. If you're getting it through this old outlet, understand that it can be neutered at the drop of a dime. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, just to, to, to cut it even closer to the bone here in Philadelphia, we're dealing it with it right now with Lady B. Yeah, how about that? You know, Lady B, the legendary, legendary mm-hmm. DJ here in Philadelphia. And they... they they threw her out like, like, I don't even know what they threw her out like. Like, I don't know if I've ever thrown anything out like they did Lady B. Yeah. Happened to us in Baltimore a few years ago with a locally legendary DJ and kind of mentor in my head, Tim Watts. Oh, really? Where Tim Watts is same thing. Like, just, it just you know, in, in, in sort of radio businesses that, you know, they say you never say goodbye. So that, you know, people just sort of turn on their radio and and Tim Watts was gone. Mm. And the same thing happened here with Lady B. And I I think that's the nature of the business. Yeah. So. It's a shame, though. It's 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 a real shame. And when you think about the history of radio in the black community and the purposes that it has served, it's it's criminal. Like, I don't I try to avoid putting on my conspiracy hat. 
but there are some conspiracies that I'm more apt to believe than others. Mm-hmm. And this is one that, you know, if I'm in a barbershop and people are talking about the conspiracy to get black voices off of the radio and off of these different, you know, these different outlets to reach people, I listen to more than I do other conspiracies. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Bill Cosby wasn't going to buy NBC. Yeah. But. I'm pretty sure about so, that. yeah, there you go. Spread the word. Black podcast. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Tom. Come on. Come on, Tom. <laughs> the water's fine, bro. The water's fine, bro. I, I, I just think about it. Like, you know, at the height of at the height of his powers, if Tom Joyner, let's say, had gone to satellite. I think, I think in Tom Joyner's defense... He had Howard Stern's audience was a different audience. Howard Stern's audience it is was a younger, it was whiter, and it was male. And I think young white males have always been just sort of demographically mm-hmm. more open to technology. Fair enough. However, I think that Tom Joyner's audience um, at that time was. In the prime advertising age, 18 to 54. Right. Absolutely. Skewed very much towards um, women. Okay. Absolutely. A great many of women who women, while maybe not, you could argue, you know, who's more into techie type of stuff, women or men, I don't know. You know, nevertheless, women are savvy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And women, black women, like new cars. And when they get their new cars at that time, what they would do, they like to have toys in their new cars. And one of the big toys in new cars at that time was satellite satellite radio. radio. Interesting. And if Tom Joyner is on satellite radio. And would have partnered with him at the same time and said. And had his own Tom Joyner network. Had his Tom Joyner network. You know, which would have been skewed exactly to his audience. Open up a whole brand new demographic. Brother, would be he'd be writing his own ticket right now. That's that's not a bad argument. And and that the way <clears throat> that the way the satellite uh, has worked their business that they would have parlayed him into more of an internet presence as well. Right. Because they did that right. with Howard Stern. They did that with uh, Shade 45, Eminem's. Um, sure. They did it with the Foxhole. I was about to say Fox Jamie Foxx's show. Yeah. yeah. So they, they would they would have worked with him. In, in Tom Joyner's defense, I think Tom Joyner is very much, to to his detriment, obviously, very much invested in the history of radio of black and, and black, black radio, radio black in particular radio. and mm-hmm. and when you talk mm-hmm. about and you know we're dealing with this now with net neutrality when you talk about these small southern rural black communities yeah this really was their lifeline yeah that's true and i think tom joiner was was really committed to that but you you know again you see what that commitment gets you ultimately yep you know the 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 little mammals run around the dying dinosaurs so so that's what now or that's now what at least from our view there you go all right all right ladies and gentlemen it is time it is time for us to get into just another girl on the IRT all right Manhattan bound IRT train lots of folks think Brooklyn girls are real tough let nobody mess with me and I do what I want drop the track here's a 
Don't put her down before you know who she is. Some people just started staring at us like we were some sort of street girls with no future. Yeah. Don't tell her where to go. I want to go to college. I want to go to college now. You're not ready. Don't shut her up. Isn't it important to talk about the things that are going on today? I mean, the things that we could do something about. I'm going to take care of you, right? I love you. I just hope there'll be some real men at this party because I've been taking my sister's birth control pills. Just in case. Miss Woman, you have to get over this. Yeah. Be tired the love you wish you had. <laughs> what does he have that I don't? He got her teeth. Mm-hmm. It's time to get this. You don't make decisions for me. This is my body. I don't like you dating anyone living in the projects. We live in the projects, Daddy. Who else am I supposed to date? If you can't tell by now, Chantel's definitely not just another girl on the IRT. People be tripping when they find out how smart I really am. <laughs> A film written and directed by Leslie Harris. 1992's Just Another Girl on the IRT film debut, and I believe her only film by director Leslie Harris follows... Young Chantel Mitchell, a 17-year-old high school junior who lives in Brooklyn, and Chantel wants to go to college and become a doctor, but of course she is a girl in a film, so she (laughs) runs into some obstacles, and and actually one obstacle in particular. Um, This was the choice of Lynn Webb. Yes, it was. What say you about Just Another Girl on the IRT? First of all, I have to put it out there that this is one of those films that is like the reason for the Michelle mission. Okay. Because when this movie came out in 1992, I kind of heard whispers of it, mm-hmm. right? But back in 1992, I was a huge fan of the Charlie Rose show. Okay. Um, <laughs> how about me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember on the Charlie Rose show when he actually interviewed Leslie Harris. Okay. About this film, about the making. Right, 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 film, right. Getting it out there and this film becoming a, a darling of the Sundance Film Festival in 1992. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, oh, it sounds interesting. I'll, I'll have to check out that film. Look for it. But it, it was uh, an independent film. Um, it was in the Sundance Film Festival in 92. It didn't really get a release in the states until March of '93, right? Exactly. And even then, it was only on 200 um, theaters at first. And I think it may have played here in Philly. I honestly, I'm sure remember, it did for a week or two. Just, yeah, yeah. Get a chance to check it out. So I did get a chance to check it out when it first came first came out. But it's been a film that over the years, when I'm scanning, like you know. HBO or Netflix, Amazon, or, or even in the video stores and everything like that. It's I've know this poster, right? Because right. it would just be staring at me. I was like, oh yeah, that's that film, but I would never get it. Okay, I would never click on it to watch it. Would not, I just wouldn't for no other reason? Because in my head, I remember hearing relatively good stuff about it. Right. Um. I remember being kind of interested in the writer and the director from long ago, uh, seeing her being interviewed. But for whatever reason, I never clicked on it. Okay. So as we neared down to 100, I knew that somewhere along the line, I wanted this was a 
a movie that I wanted to click on to finally give it its just due in my head. Right. Um, because this was a film that in my head was a critically acclaimed film that I, for whatever reason, just slept on. Shame on you, Len. Let's watch Just Another Girl on the IRT. Okay. And it's a great story. Leslie Harris it, um, wrote, produced, directed it all on her own. It cost $100,000. It shot it in 17 days. Pretty much the entire cast is all like first time or mm-hmm. or like very local actors, including the, the lead, uh, uh, Arianne Johnson, who yes. plays Chantel. Um, and it's in uh, it, it. It stands out even now as one of the rare coming of age movies for women. How about that? So in that, it's a very important film. Yeah, it's an essential film. Yeah, you know, with a with a story to be told and a story that is rarely rarely put to film about a a young black woman teenager growing up the trials and tribulations that she has to deal with the 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 conversations that she and her girlfriends are having right about life about boys about their parents about the future um them having uh, pie in the sky dreams of their future only to have life just knock them back down and seeing how they deal with it. Right. Um, it's a very gripping story that is that you just want to lock on and like, oh my God, I can't believe that this hasn't been done. Right, right. And almost, you would think like, well, maybe somebody's done this movie something akin to this sense and maybe they have I haven't heard of it me either you know and it certainly hasn't gotten a wide release maybe on Lifetime or something like that but it was it certainly wasn't a movie right like this and it certainly stood out in 1992 93 uh, one of the uh, those two years one of the only films that featured black women at, at all as a lead were were two The Bodyguard which was Whitney Houston, yes. but very much playing up against you know Kevin Costner, right, right. And I think it's fair that she was not reflective of of an average exactly. African American, right, life. And neither is Sister Act. Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg. With Whoopi Goldberg, you know, not an average life either. No, good comedy. No, 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 great comedy. But it's not, you know, the the try to true black experience by right. any stretch of the imagination, and certainly not the young black woman's exactly experience. That's exactly. even even more important. So that just makes this that much more of a vital film. And as I watched this movie and, and remembering all the acclaim that it had and, and some of the reviews, I remember uh I was reading on here on uh, Wikipedia how Rolling Stone Peter Travers said this was a cause for celebration explosively funny deeply moving just another girl is not just another movie it is not just another movie unfortunately it is not that great of a movie right I'm not going to say that it is a a bad movie right because bad to me bad implies that it is there is just so much that is bad about it that there's nothing redeeming and the story that this is trying to tell 
is so vital that that lifts up this the movie right and 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 keeps it from being just a total slog worthless piece of uh, of time at the cinema sure the the unfortunate part about this though is that the direction and the acting let down the story yeah um the script the, the script is definitely sounds like a first time you know yeah, script writer so i'm not going yeah, i'm not going to nitpick over that however the 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 direction uh whether it be the the shots that are being done or the whatever direction is being given to the actors just lets down this story way too much. I think that you have <clears throat> in the lead. First of all, I think it's, I don't know whether or not, cause I don't know whether or not this was, was a uh, purposeful. So it's either uh, uh, a, a misstep or very daring <laughs> to have exactly a lead character <laughs> that you don't like. Oh, Oh, <laughs> you, you just you just do not like. Oh, I'm gonna put a pin in that. So that's where I'm gonna start. You go ahead and finish, but that's where I'm gonna start. <laughs> I mean, you just. Oh, I mean, you <laughs> to have this movie, you hinge on a character who you are not rooting for. Oh, I wouldn't say you're not rooting for her. I'm not rooting. But you don't like her. You don't. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Maybe okay. No, yeah. you're not rooting for her because, it, and it's not because everything that she that happens to her she did to herself because that happens in almost every movie. right, right, right. That's right. the whole idea. That's that's the, the that's the definition of a coming of age. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? But to just so boastfully and willfully and ignorantly <laughs> just ask. Everything that comes down upon you, despite the character stating she knows different, she will do different. <sighs> Saying that she's doing different, I agree. From the very beginning, like her voice, <laughs> like actually, Rasa. Oh Lord, this is like nails on a chalkboard. Just her voice. Yes. However. I think we have to acknowledge that we are coming from this from the perspective of 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 men of a certain age. Like I think part of it is she's a kid, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of like you, you know, we kind of talked about a little bit with to Sir with love. I think I think just sort of the the, the pheromones mm-hmm. off of teenagers, right? We don't like it. Okay, like just 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 right off the bat. Um, I think she makes really stupid boneheaded decisions, but I did trust the film enough. And then when you, you know, like you said, you read about Leslie Harris and she thought about this story and apparently she did some, some, some legwork. Like she, you know, she, she talked to Planned Parenthood and she talked to these. And I think that this was a really realistic depiction of some stupid teenagers 
so that you almost like we're supposed to not like them. Like we're supposed to say this is an annoying. This child is annoying. Yes, because she's a 17 year old girl and 17 year old girl should be annoying. Like, yeah. like, you know, but. But I agree with pretty much everything you said, like, like, it's going to be that episode. Like, like, I think, you, you know, this is, you know, by my count. The third kind of film that we've done like this, where it's it's very this kind of guerrilla filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of budget. You, you, you know, the the everyone involved is amateurish. And, and, you know, so so if we start with if, if we start with straight out of Brooklyn and we just did have plenty of few episodes ago and now we have another girl on the IRT and I group all of them together. And I think of the three of them, I admire the spirit of this one. Me too. Out of yes. all three of them. I think of the three of them, the lead, and remember the lead from from um, straight out of Brooklyn, Larry, and I just forgot his last name, went on to actually be a professional actor. Yes. But I think at this moment, these performances of those three, these performances, I think that, and of course, my computer just went down. Arion Johnson. I think Arion Johnson is the most charismatic in her performance. Oh, I disagree. Charismatic in that she actually has a personality. Like, I think Chris Sherratt's performance, he is, you know, I, we talked about it. I think he's not as charming as he thinks he no. is. I think Larry, um, and we should probably look it up if I'm going to keep talking about it. Yeah, if you're going to keep talking about the brother, I should look him up. I don't think he ever, his performance is ever really that centered. But I do think Arion Johnson, you know, whether Leslie Harris directed her like this or not, has a very specific point of view. Mm-hmm. And a very specific approach to this performance, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, especially when we talk about it in totality, right? That this is a character that two men like me and you are supposed to not really like that much. I hear you on that, and that actor's name is uh, Larry Gilliard. Yeah, Larry, Larry Gilliard. Gilliard. Yeah, I hear you on that. The reason why I I I, I disagree is because. Um, in the beginning, when you first hear her, first of all, yes, her voice is like nails on a chalkboard. But you know, you you get used to her. Right? That's her voice. Yeah. And it's, and 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 in that, I'm hearing seventeen year old's voice. Seventeen year old girl from Brooklyn, right. 1992. That's what a lot of them sounded like. Apparently, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but so I'm I, I'm hearing a voice and uh. And I'm digging her energy of, mm-hmm. of, of yeah. what she's what she's bringing into it, it, it from the very beginning. I think that at no time, at no time in this movie does she come off as, you know, this is what seventeen year olds sound like. To me, she she keeps coming off as this is what we think seventeen year olds are supposed to sound like. She sounds to me like a seventeen-year-old, but but she's the seventeen. And I've often said this: I like there's nothing more dangerous than a smart teenager. Mm-hmm. She strikes me as the person who's always been the smartest person 
in her group, mm-hmm. but it's a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. So, so like the smartest person in this crew is not that smart. Right. Like she's just really, she's just young and she gets in over her head and doesn't realize how in over her head she is. And I thought there were two, there are two aspects of this film that really, really spoke to me. One was the fact that, you, you know, and, and I actually put my notes as Chekhov's baby because, you know, like the first scene, they meet her girlfriend and her girlfriend, for, you know, has gotten pregnant and now has a baby. Yeah. And of course, she makes this big announcement and she's never going to get caught in, in, the, in a trap like this. And she's going to be a doctor in this. And I say, oh, Chekhov's baby. She's going to be pregnant by the end. Yep. Structurally, I thought it was really interesting that she gets pregnant halfway through the film. And a lot of these stories, when we talk about, you know, the young girl getting pregnant, mm-hmm. that's the end of the story. Okay. You know, she gets pregnant, her dreams are dashed, play an MC Light song, the credits roll. Right. And, you know, you almost see somebody pointing their finger. Don't do that, young girls. I thought it was really fascinating that half of this film, and this goes back to the research that apparently um, Leslie Harris does, and half of this film was um, Chantel dealing with the pregnancy. I did like that too. All the way up through. All know, the way to the very to end. The birth. Which, which again, where it's, you know, spoiler, you know, it goes left instead of right. Where, yeah. you know, you think the moment is coming where she's going to see the baby and, you know, suddenly fall in love with the baby and the baby clutched my finger and this, that. And no, she is still this teenager. Yeah. And yeah. she says, throw that baby away. Yeah. Like she's still in denial about it. And she's still making these bad decisions. And that's sort of why I lean on your first read that Leslie Harris is setting up this protagonist as somebody deliberately that we don't like. Okay. All right. The second thing that fascinated me about this film structurally is the commitment that Leslie Harris makes to making this a female point of view. They're in the projects. Mm -hmm. This is 1992. So we've all been taught by 1992 that if we talk about the projects and it's some black people and it's the movies, we got corrupt police. We have gun violence. We have drugs. We have all of this stuff. Yeah. And this film keeps a laser focus on these issues that Harris deems as women issues, yeah. even to the point where there's a great scene where someone gets shot and everyone runs past Chantel and Chantel is walking the other direction. Right. Where the film all but tells us we are not dealing with that. Yes. We are dealing with this. Yes. So it's that same neighborhood, but there's something else going on in this neighborhood. Right. Right. But we're not dealing with that in this right. film. Right. So, you know, it's. That is, I mean, yo, again, that that is that is what is so vital about this movie. You know, the, just that story, right. that perspective that is n- totally dis- usually disregarded, uh, right. unseen, you know, or is at most the B story of other movies, and even then, it's the woman's plight as seen through the lens of the boyfriend. Right. Like the boyfriend character would have been the main right. character. Right. You know, um, I thought that I 
thought that it was very interesting and could have been very easy for them to play up that this guy who gets her pregnant, Ty, Ty, um, easily could have been like the bad guy. And and he does come (laughs) off as a little bit. Yes bad guyish, but then he becomes the hero of the day hero of the day i love Todd by the end it, it, <laughs> but the thing is that i loved him the whole way through because it was a true character yeah you know he was speaking from his point of view yeah and his point of view baby i'm offering you right this, this is what we can do i mean even make this right even before that like what i just said when she meets ty and ty has the new jeep and mm-hmm. ty has the clothes and they, i mean again 1990s movies have taught me well ty must be a drug dealer right ty's what? not a drug dealer no ty just got a good job he's just spoiled by his mom well that too right yes but um <laughs> yeah what a mom but um <laughs> yeah so i i I like that. I I like the characters as they're set up. Right. It's again. It's just the acting lets it down, and I have to, I have to blame a little bit of that on more so on the directors, sure, than the actors. One because the actors are very amateur as first time actors, and and two Leslie Harris while this being her first and only feature film had done work in commercials and in short films before so she had she's worked with actors yeah but yeah you know uh, okay i mean you could you could say that you know that may not you know you say how much experience she's had right but she is still the one that is schooled in this. No, I hear you. So right. I think it's fair to lay that. Forward. As opposed to Maddie Rich and Chris Sherratt, exactly. who neither one of them were, were trained right. they filmmakers. Were just, you know, going for it you know, from the gut. Right, right. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, but, it, but it doesn't discredit the film at all. I watched this film with, uh, with Lily Tribble. Yeah. Who... I just assumed because of the type of film that this was, again, this is another film that I wrongfully assumed that she probably would have seen. Right. She had never seen it. Yeah. She had never seen it. Yeah. And while she, too, did not enjoy the movie, she did appreciate what the movie was trying to do. Right. The story that it was put out there. You don't see these stories. You don't see the women having to deal with this from you know uh uh from start to end uh you know having the baby um you don't see them having to basically Chantel has basically at the end she really has a surrogate mother yeah you know it's not it's not her mother who you're not told is a bad mom she's just a busy mom I, she, look she just work she just work all she the just time. work i think you know she's claudine out here busting her hump i don't even you know i don't even know if she's claudine i think she's just like i think a lot of parents are like this like i got to work yeah. like i work it's a lot you, you know you think about you know i don't know about your your teenage years but i think a lot of us have parents that worked yeah. So you know it's five, six, seven o'clock before you see somebody else. Yeah. You get into a whole lot of trouble by five, six, seven o'clock. I thought it was also interesting in talking about you know how Chantel is um, 
dealing with her pregnancy. And, and and I will admit that once she becomes pregnant, you know, the I think there's the a decided tonal shift in the movie. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. That is, for yeah. the most part, well handled. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come off like, you know, like, oh, my God, now we're stepped into, like, you know, the very special IRT, you know, <laughs> right. moment. Um, so I think it, it, it it's well handled. Uh, and, and I think that after she does become pregnant, the, the movie has a little bit more, a little bit more energy. Yeah. I mean, there's a story now. I was about to say purpose, even. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it's very much, you know, matter of fact, day in the life up until then. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting them playing how Chantel hides her pregnancy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? uh, which is the real deal. I was, I, look. I, you can tell Leslie Harris did research. Did her research. Because I've heard and witnessed several versions of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look up and now there's a baby. How about that? But again, you're the smartest person in a group of people that aren't that smart. Plus, you have parents who are just busy. Mm-hmm. So they can't. I mean, you know, this whole notion of helicopter parents is fairly new. This is what happens. Yeah. This yeah. is what happens. It's, um, I thought, of, I, the moments of this film that I actually really liked it more than others. Right, right. Are the scenes where the girls are just hanging out. Oh, yeah. The girls are just, you know, being young girls. I mean. <sighs> talking about everything under the sun. It's actually disgraceful that in 2018, it's still so refreshing, but it, it it reminded me of a conversation that we had last year about Insecure mm-hmm. and about how great it is just to see black women, and in this case, you know, young black women, just being with each other, yeah. talking, because you don't see it. No, you don't, man. Like, it's actually disgraceful that we have to champion this film because there there aren't many other films that we could put next to it yeah so and i also thought that that just like real life in their camaraderie with one another there are little stabs of drama oh yeah melodrama but it's not allowed to bubble up into anything more right than what it really would be right like come on we're just gonna get over it right because they're kids because they're kids yeah you know even though I, i i'd like to think i think that in a coming of age story with guys that have been like the the big thing. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. He disrespected me. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Although I did think her girls were kind of stupid that they hadn't figured out she was pregnant. She had been hiding it. Yeah. See, this is what I mean, though, about you, the smartest person in a group of people that aren't that smart. Okay. Well, they weren't. No, they weren't that smart. They weren't. I mean. They were, they, were, they were cute though. They're, yeah, you know your girls. Kids. Your girls' boyfriend gave gave her a uh, five hundred dollars. It's not. I mean, how how much how much guessing do you have to do in nineteen ninety two about why he gave her this money? They don't know. All they knew is they could go get some earrings and a new coat. Right. They was fly. Right. They was right. fly with it, man. And I think you have to appreciate this movie's um, tour of nineteen ninety two's Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is this feels 
very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels very realistic. So, I don't know if I have anything else to say about just the other girl. I'm sure. Do you have anything else? Did you? No. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciated the fact that Leslie Harris went out of her way not to make the male characters bad people. They were well-rounded They were characters. well-rounded people. I mean, they were a little... As the much as, dude, you know. Her, her, like, I guess... Who, Larry? Larry, the boyfriend. Larry was confusing to me because clearly Larry was 30 years old. Yes. Like, why is she dating this old-ass man? Why? Don't nobody have no questions about Larry? Larry is clearly 30 years old. Why is Play's older brother... Right! ...in high school? Right! Even though that makes sense. Let me go and do the running man with you, but I got to stretch first. <laughs> Dude, it's 30 years old. You should be with me. I got benefits. <laughs> I don't need a car. I got tokens. <laughs> I like, he actually oh, said that. Oh, Larry. He actually said, I don't need a car. Oh, Larry. But tokens. again, again, I kept thinking, oh, she's going to get with the flashy guy. But the flashy guy is going to be bad and this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, you actually made a, like, that's the one good decision that you made this whole film. Yeah. Leaving Larry and getting with Ty. Yeah. Because, you know. But, um, you know. And Ty's still there at the end. I mean, hey. And they're not together, though. Yes. Like I said, I love the way this story unfolded. Yeah. It was very, and here's that word again, realistic. It was. It was. I guess. They are co-parenting. She is going to community college. There's no guarantee she's going to finish. No. Because, you know, there's still some red flags Mm -hmm. that she's still, you know, doing her thing. But this is where we're going to stop. Right. We're just going to stop the film right here. I want to hear whether or not you would recommend this film. However, okay. first, I'm curious as a teacher. Yes. Do you think that this is a film worth showing to a class? I do. I do. Like, like you mean like teenagers? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Absolutely. Because again, I think so many of the decisions that she makes in this film are realistic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I saw a few versions of this in high school mm-hmm. and you, you know, this, this I'm hot in the pregnancy and then you wait until it goes too long. And now, you know, something dramatic happens. And I mean, I, th- I thought, it, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I thinking that this is a film that, you know, there's uh, there definitely is some datedness to it. Yeah. That if you showed it to kids today, you know, they'd have to get past that. And, yeah chuckling which which to its credit though because the pregnancy does come halfway through the movie you've gotten all the chuckling out of the way right so now when it gets real yeah i could see a class being like oh but why she do that you know like really getting invested in the story yeah and the lessons that it's it's bringing yeah because the lessons aren't you know uh, they they aren't like like rammed down your throat. No, no, no. And I mean, one of the, I thought one of the more subtle moves in this film is is there's a surprisingly graphic sex scene, but that is bookended by her having a surprisingly graphic scene of childbirth. Yeah. 
so that you could see, oh, well, that's why it got, because I was like, I don't know how much I need to be watching this right now. Yeah. And then, so it it very much tells you, you, you got to pay the piper sometimes. I also like that that, that, that sex scene that you're talking about is, uh, it's not romanticized at all. No. It is, no. it is there. It's, it's graphic but it's more graphic in it's just raw realness right it, of it, what how that is two 17 year olds grappling with each other in a bed exactly yeah you know so i actually appreciated that on, on like when i watched it the second time because the first time i was just chuckling at it right like like what the hell are they doing right but then i was like okay I'm, i see what you're going with what right going for there it which makes it interesting that this is leslie harris's only feature film well you know what i I wanted to say this too i think it's a lot of these films and and and, you know i think this happened to maddie rich too speaking of maddie rich where i think that a lot of these sort of mainstream critics especially during this time that kind of you know and here's his name that kind of post spike lee moment where Mm -hmm. everybody was looking for the next spike lee i think that there was so much hyperbole involved and so much everyone tripping over themselves Mm -hmm. to kind of say oh look what they did that a lot of these directors and i think leslie leslie james is an example of this i'm sorry leslie harris kind of died on the vein because mm. they picked him too early okay like i wish just another girl on the irt was a film that i saw after i saw her fifth film gotcha like you know oh well you know she made this little film first that didn't really do much but because it was so big and so whatever and it was on and it made the circuit and then it just like i don't think she had room to develop and I think this happened to a lot of young black filmmakers at this time. True. I wonder how much of that is that she, especially at that time, was one of the few young black women filmmakers. Absolutely. And just wasn't given the opportunity, therefore afforded the opportunity. That's that's always part of it. I mean, that's always part of it. I mean, definitely... I mean, obviously, Julie Dash could have made a second movie. Yeah. So yeah, They were kneeling at the altar of... Spike and yeah. John Singleton. Yeah. No, no, no. That's true too. Yeah. That's true too. But I do I do think that the praise was much more effusive than it than the quality of the film really justified. And I think a lot of it, again, to bring Maddie Rich back in and Chris Sherratt to a certain degree, was more about the biography of the filmmaker mm-hmm. than the film itself. Would you recommend? I think I would. He said, "All right." I think I would. I think, you know, again, it's it's kind of we get these films where we say, you know, the movie, except for the acting, the script, and the directing, there's something there. But I think that's fair. I think, I think but there is enough here. You that- know, I think there's enough. And and again, I think it's, I think it's an important film to be in a conversation about black film, and I, I actually. I I complete I absolutely um agree with your reasoning that this should have been part of the first one hundred. Yeah. And so so yeah, absolutely. When if will you show this to uh Camille? 
14 or 15. Yeah. 14, 15. You know, again, I, th- I think, um, I think teenagers do dumb stuff. I think that's sort of the nature of teenagers. And I know, you know, you know, they're before the grace of God. Yeah. You know, you do this stupid stuff and some of us come out unscathed. Some of us don't. And then it's like, it's kind of in, in between. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this, this is a great depiction of some teenagers doing dumb stuff. What does IRT stand for? Vince? Oh Lord, I looked it up and then I forgot immediately because I didn't care. It's something about the train. It's something they call the train. It's, <laughs> I know T is for train. I think I know T is for train or transit. It's for the Interborough Rapid Transit Company. There you go. Specifically, the IRT Lexington Avenue line on the right. New York City subways. Sure. That's what IRT means. That's what IRT means. There you go. So now those of you listening to it who are interested, you don't have to look it up. Because they would want to know. They would want to know. What are they going to tell us what IRT means? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess just another girl on the train would wouldn't have, say, wouldn't have been as evocative. Especially since I'm... Mm, Do you ever see that movie called Train? I did not. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard movie, boy. Okay. It's a hard movie to watch. Is it a black movie? Yes, it is. Really? I don't. I'm not sure if it got a a, a theater release it's called Train. You never heard of it? I've never even heard of it. Oh, who's in it? it? You know who's in it? I don't. Wood Harris. Wood Harris. Yes. I do like the Harris brothers. Wood Harris is is in this movie. Uh, let me see. Hold up. Now I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. I'm sure. I'm almost certain it was called Train. <laughs> But um, are you thinking about Lethal Weapon 2? <laughs> you want me to be thinking about Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, you don't know the name of it. Ah, so no, I, I, I was wrong. It's, it's called um, Train Ride. Oh, I have heard of Train Ride. Yeah. Yeah. Train Ride. Yeah. With Wood Harris and uh, MC Light. Yeah. Uh, written and directed by uh, Rel Dowdell. Okay. Did you ever see it? I have not seen it. It is an Academy Award winning, critically acclaimed feature thriller film. I don't know what Academy. They don't. They, they specifically <laughs> say Academy with a lower A. So <laughs> you know, you know, just just to let you know. Academy Chicken Nuggets presents uh, this film, which was funded by uh, Rough Nation. Right here out of Philadelphia. Okay. Revolves around the consequences of an incident of date rape on a college campus in Philadelphia. Um, and stars Wood Harris and MC Light. It was also, this film featured the last project of Esther Roll. Okay. And the film was thus dedicated to her and was shot on the campus of uh Cheney University and it ranked number five in the top 10 best college movies on BET.com that's really interesting I thought um, Down in the Delta was Esther Roll's last role mm, no okay no, no. This, uh, yeah all right yeah but I, I, like I said this would this didn't get a uh a wide, wide release. Wide release. I, I actually doesn't even say it debuted theatrically in Philadelphia in two thousand five, 
and then was released on DVD. So it was released here in Philly, but really just like in Philly. It wasn't like, you know. Right, 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 right. Out in theaters and stuff. So okay. I don't know if it would right. qualify for us to review. But it's an interesting film. All right. I'll put it on my list. Please do. All right. All right. So would you recommend it? You said you would recommend it. I would wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly recommend, recommend this just film. another girl on the IRT. I think it is, it's just a, it's just a vital film to see. Yes, it really. It's not a good it, adjective, it, it, and it's and it's weird. It's it's very strange for me to have it admittedly not a great film. Yeah, but I think you should see it. But it should absolutely be part of the conversation. It certainly should. All right. If for no other reason, because there are so few. Because there are so few chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 95. 95. There are only five more episodes of yes. the show mission. Yes. Before we get to episode 100. No. Four more. There's four more. Yeah. Duh. There's four more before four we more. get to episode 100. And in our screening, which is planned for February 24th. Yes. So if you do the math... You can realize we're going to be sticking the binge lounge in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we do somewhere, but we thought you saw she's got to have it got renewed for a second season. I mean, duh. I don't know about no duh. God, come on, no duh. Duh. Netflix is about to lose everything. Disney. I'm just duh. Yeah. They are and I just watch the first three episodes of season one. Of Netflix's um, revamping of One Day at a Time. Yes. Now it's from a Cuban. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, starring, and I can't remember the actress that stars as the lead, um, but Rita Moreno. Is I was say, it doesn't matter because Rita Moreno is in it. Yes, because Rita Moreno is in it, and she's being all Rita Moreno. Um, and I actually I actually like the actress that, that, that plays the lead. I like everybody in it. The show is not... But most importantly, Rita Moreno is in it. Who? Rita Moreno is in it. The show is not funny. It's not bad. It's not... There's actually no reason to watch it, except Rita Moreno. It's, yeah, because it's... Not, however, I do appreciate that it is a, uh, it's looking at, you know, that domestic yeah. life and um, the, that single parenting yeah, sure. from a Cuban... Sure, aspect. why and not? It, it is steeped in its... It, in that culture, so I do appreciate that. She used to be on Six Feet Under, the lead. Oh, really? Yeah. She um, and that show, which is not funny, right? Got renewed for a second season. Did it really? Yes. I didn't think anyone even watched it. Yes, I think I think the um the second season is going to be um wow, it's going to be coming up uh, very soon. Uh. Justina Machado, yeah, that who's play, who plays the lead. I watched like three episodes just because of Rita Moreno, and but I think that's the only that's reason all why I, I watched could do. Three. And I was like, all right, yeah. Rita, I gave you, yeah, I gave you three, you know. But well, she's got to have it. Got so, so if that's going to get renewed, hey man, I knew that she's got to have it. Yeah, and like I said, about the least, everything Disney, they need content. Yeah, they do. So, got four more. So we got four. More. Got four more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we thought. That we would put it out there to you, ladies and gentlemen, what our four, what our four are will be so that you can get them lined up, lined up and watching them, watch them right in lockstep with us. There you go. So next week, 
which will be well the next show, which will be episode ninety six. Yes, will be Vince's film. It is, and Vince's film will be Fences. Oh man, Fences. Fences with Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. And Viola Davis. Yes, it is. Okay, and that's actually on some place right now. I think. Yeah, I think it's like on Amazon. On maybe maybe that is yeah on, is Amazon. Yeah, I remember I was looking and saw that there. All right, so we'll be watching Fences. Yes, next week. There you go. So well, you've probably already seen Fences, ladies and gentlemen, but watch it again. Yeah, you should absolutely watch it again. Re up on some Fences. All right, and then. The week after next, it'll be your turn, and we're going to watch. I have the movie in my head, and now I'm blanking on it. Oh, for God's sake. Because because it's a science fiction movie. Okay. With Lawrence Fishburne. Kennedy talks about it all the freaking time. It's one of the few science fiction movies that has... uh, Kind of mostly black cast. Science fiction movie mostly black. Um, it's not The Matrix, is it? No, it's not The Matrix. <laughs> um, I just drew drew a blank on it. This isn't that horror movie, is it? What horror movie? No, he was the only black person in that. Which one? Like, like the one is basically an H.P. Lovecraft story, but it was in space. I think that's it. How is that a black movie? <laughs> It's not a black movie at all. You don't know that. <laughs> I absolutely know it. Wait That's a not a black movie. I have to find a movie to make sure oh, that you're talking God about sake. what I'm talking it's about. It's almost like we didn't talk about this an hour ago and say we were going to do it. I <laughs> know. I drew a blank on the. I'm drawing a blank on the movie. Um, this this what you gonna squeeze in under a hundred? <laughs> it's like the mouth of madness or something. This this what you gonna squeeze in, huh? Event Horizon. Really? <laughs> Wait, no, come on. No, that's not a black movie. How do you know it's not a black movie? Because I've seen it and it's not a black movie. What? It stars Lawrence Fishburne, Richard T. Um, uh, what's his name? Richard T. Washington? Is that Jones. Name? Jones. Richard T. Jones? Uh, a lot of white people. I was about to say, because I hear Kennedy talking about all these black people, and I was sitting there like. There's not no whole lot of black people in Event Horizon. Yeah, we're not doing Event Horizon. Pick something else. That's not a good... Yeah, pick something else. I gotta pick something else? Yes, that's terrible. You're saying I have to pick something else? I'm saying that Event Horizon is not a black movie. Really? Not at all. I don't know about that. It's not a black movie at all. Okay. (laughs) All right. Event Horizon. It's, it's a good movie. I mean, hell, we might as well do The Matrix. The Matrix is blacker than Event Horizon. No, we can't do that. We can't, we can't. The Matrix is not. No, no, it's not. Well, it, it probably does have black It actually has more black people in it. <laughs> All of the bad guys are white authority figures. <laughs> like, you can actually make an argument for The Matrix. Okay. All right. Okay. Then I'm going to go. To another choice. Okay. <laughs> so for episode 97. Yes. Vin <clears throat> Horizon. I wanted to do uh, uh, science fiction if we could. But then find some black science fiction then. It's hard. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, it is. So. I'm going to do Running Man. <laughs> 
Jim Brown's in Running Man. That's a black movie. Yafet Koto. Jim Brown, Yafet Koto, both in the Running Man. If you had the two of them in your movie, your movie's a black <laughs> That's movie. That's a black movie. <laughs> right. The hair care products that were needed for that film, clearly this is a black film. You know how much Murray's hair grease they use for that film? You know how much hair, Murray's hair grease they use to get Yafet Koto into that <laughs> one piece? What's your next choice? Um, you'll like this one. Okay. Sweet, sweet bags, badass song. Whoa! You going hard like that? Yes. You gonna knock down my event horizon? Damn! I thought we was gonna use that for an anniversary or something, but no. all right. No. All right. Sweet, sweet bags, badass song. Yes. All right. So that'll be episode ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. All right. So then ninety-eight is going to be imitation of life. Boom. Okay. All right. Got to get that in before hundred. That's an, I mean, I mean, it's not as important as Event Horizon, but you <laughs> it's know, not. I feel like it's not as good a movie. As uh, it's not as good a movie as Event Horizon, <laughs> but you know, I just feel like Imitation of Life. We should talk about that before Episode One Hundred. Okay. You know, I, I don't mean to bump Event Horizon, which, you know, all of the black scholars, you know, you talking about Elvis Mitchell or, you know, when we talk about black film, Don, Donald Bogle speaks of Event Horizon. You can make an argument that, well, first of all, which? 59. 1959? 1959. Okay. Now, Imitation of Life, 1959. Who's in that movie? It's only one black person in it. Exactly. Yeah, but it's a film like it's it's like there's nothing blacker than Imitation of Life. Like the subject of passing, there's actually no blacker subject than that. Whatever. It's like slavery passing. Break dancing. Anyway. For episode 99. Episode 99. I feel that it is only proper for the show mission to once again return to the films of our forefather. Oh. So so what are we going to do? This time we will go to 1932. Okay. To 10 Minutes to Live. 10. By Oscar Michelle. By Oscar Michelle. Very nice. It's a nice final four. It's very. There. It's a nice final four. That's a very prestigious. Exactly. That final four. Like we really I mean it's, just, it's a shame we can't squeeze in Event Horizon. Event Horizon. We can <laughs> do a double feature of Event Horizon and Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah, that's that's black filmmaking. That's some black films right there. But what we will squeeze in, ladies and gentlemen, starting next week, as promised, will be the return. Of our review of Star Trek Discovery. Oh, is it, when's it come back on? As it, uh, the second half of its first season um, returns this Sunday, January 7th. Oh, my God. Does it really? Yes, it does. Oh, and, my God. I feel like Lucy in the Chocolate Factory at this point. <laughs> I'm only halfway through Black Mirror. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did the new season start? The new season, yeah. Oh, okay, I haven't Yeah, the new season yet. started the 29th. I'm like halfway through that. I haven't. I haven't seen Dave Chappelle. I still oh, Dave Chappelle finished. is is good. Man. I haven't finished the, the Dave Chappelle's. You know, I'm pretty good. Still haven't done the Punisher. Eh, you can wait on the Punisher. 
Yeah. David Dave Chappelle's worth is, is worth watching. I know, but I'm a, I'm a Black Mirror dude. No, no, no. Yeah, I would like, finish like, Black yeah, Mirror. So. But then I would watch Dave Chappelle. And I don't I don't know if you're a Peaky Blinders guy. I'm watching Peaky Blinders. Oh my God. My nephew is gonna hear this and he's gonna kick his device in. He's been trying to get me to watch it for like the past month. Peaky Blinders is good, man. Season four is just I gotta dropped. do Peaky Blinders now. Do Peaky Blinders before you do the Punisher. Okay. Well, I, I think I am. I think the Punisher is about to get, like, I think Iron Fist is over on the sofa, patting down the sofa. Pulled up another tray for Punisher. <laughs> um, what was I about to say? Oh, so yeah, so we're going to be returning to uh, review Star Trek Discovery with, and this time our show has a name. If you listen to our that's finale, right? That's right. Our, we reviews the right, right. First so we'll half. start up with, with Spock adjacent. Spock adjacent. Spock adjacent. Which is the name of our Star Trek? Name uh, of our Star Trek show. Our, our Star, Star Trek, Trek show. Discovery show. Well, you know what? Spock adjacent. Since it's Spock adjacent, I think we can call it our Star Trek show, because at some time, their season's going to be over. Yeah. And you're tr- you're a hardcore trekker. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm. Well, you know, I'm a hardcore trekker until like. An actual hardcore Trekker person walks in the room. Never it's like the Prince fan. Like, I'm a Prince fan until, like, one of them real Prince fans walks in. I hear you. So I'm a hardcore Trekker until one of them real hardcore Truckers walks in. I hear you. So, yeah. But I think that once we're finished with the first season. We can just have we a, always a peri- have just periodically Spock, talk, Spock about, talk about talk about Spock adjacent. You know, get some of my Deep Space Nine stuff off my chest. Yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. I like that. That might be a nice place to bring in Kennedy to argue about Event Horizon being a black film. Horizon is a black film. It's just interesting film, though. It it's is. an interesting film because it is science fiction horror, and which Lawrence science... Fishburne is the lead. Yeah, yes, yes, Lawrence Fishburne is the lead. Well, I'm just saying. There's nothing particularly black about it, well, but he is the lead. There's nothing particularly black about Action Jackson, but we did Action Jackson. Well, we talked. We then said that it wasn't a black movie. Right, right. But part of it is, you know, if you switched him out with another actor, it would yes. have been weird. Like, it, it is black because of how they neuter him. Okay. Like, they never would have neutered Chuck Norris like that. Right. Well, no. Okay. So. Vin Horizon, you take out Lawrence Fishburne and you stick in Scott Bakula. It's the exact same film. Okay, fair yeah. enough. But as science fiction horror, it's an interesting film. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting film. Very so. interesting film. So it'll make its way to our mission. Mm, will it? <laughs> I mean, will it? Yes. <laughs> All right, but next week. But next week, what do you say we're doing? Fences, fences, there fences. You, you know, this is that's sort of a. Um, I'd say it's a little selfish for me and fences. Like, like I've had periodic uh, moonlight conversations since we've done our episode, and you know, obviously, I'm a big, big, big champion of moonlight. Mm-hmm. And whenever moonlight comes up, somebody somebody wants fences. to ask me about fences and what I think about fences and this. So it's, it'll be nice to have that. Yeah, you just tell them like, go listen to my. Go show. listen to it, or you know, you listen to the moonlight. People say, "Oh, I listen to moonlight." Tell them, Ooh, what about fences? Episode ninety seven. So now we ninety six. Do some fences. You, 
I'll talk all about fences. Talk about. Um, is this our first proper Denzel Washington film? I mean, we did Mo Better Blues. We did Mo Better Blues. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so we did Mo so, Better okay. Blues, and then we did the other one with um, him with the Indian. Night. Oh, we did do Mississippi Masala. Mississippi's Masala. Oh, so this is our third Denzel movie. Yeah. Okay, all right. Making right. our way through. All right, all right. There you go. We got to. We got a slow. Walk. I mean, Denzel got a whole podcast to himself. Right, right, right. I know, right. You know right. what I mean? So had to get to the mighty Quinn, young Shirley Ralph. Yeah, Esther Roll. Esther Roll's not in the Mighty Quinn, is she? I believe so. I think she. No. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think she's in uh, the Mighty Quinn. She burns up in a fire. Okay. Yes, because I laughed my butt off. You should think about that. I think about it often. <laughs> and laugh again. Right. I remember that hearty laugh I had when Esther Roll burnt up. I'm not an Esther Roll fan. Not an Esther Roll Not fan. at all. Not at all. I like her in Down in the Delta. I'm, I'm now finished. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's time to go. Um, all right. This show is available just where you found it, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. On com, as well as Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place and any place a good podcast be, including the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, including the CLS. N podcast network and including another podcast network coming real soon. Coming real soon. Yeah, we're working on stuff. And we had hoped to be able to announce it this week. We can't announce it this week, but it looks like next week we will have a huge black movie event announcement to make out there to you in the Michaud missionary world. We can't do it right now. I really wanted to, but mm. We can't. Um, what could be happening in the next month or so that you and I would be making an announcement over? It's big. Is it big? It is big. It's almost like a kingdom of bigness. It is a big kingdom. Like a kingdom. Like a mythological kingdom, maybe even. Yes. That somehow has roped in our friends from Brooklyn. How about that? It's kind of interesting. Our friends from Brooklyn, we were talking to them about a fictional black we country. We're talking about a fictional black country. It's, it's almost like synergy. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do things with fictional African kingdoms with them. Interesting. So we'll announce that next week. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, we gotta get out of here please continue writing us at michellemission yes, at gmail.com yes, yes. we love reading all of your emails um, drop us a line follow us on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at Mission. the Facebook group the Mission, is having a whole lot of fun Vince is, is bugging out with everybody on there he's got family photos up there he's got outtakes we've got funny questions going on we've got to get some more questions going out there in 2018 um and um, support black podcasts out there. Leave us a ranking or a rating on uh, iTunes. That really helps people find the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got to get out of here. I'm Len. He's Vince. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.
Now it's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.